Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is NBS Job Search Advice Radio, episode 1843. I'm your host, Jeff Alton, the big game hunter, and welcome I'd like to spend some time regularly talking with different individuals, as you'll hear in a moment. And today's show is a good one, an interview about a career that most people don't pay attention to and really should. And I'm going to tell you, if you have to be a parent or a grandparent, this is a show I want you to listen to, not necessarily for you, but for the child in your life, the young adult in your life, the college student in your life. Hope you find this helpful and give it a great review wherever you listen to the show. And let's get going. As many of you know, I like to spend time with individuals who are experts in things that I may not be quite as expert at, because as much as I know, I don't know everything. And I've got an interesting guest today, Terry Iverson. Um, The book is called Finding America's Greatest Champion. I'm just going to hold it up there for a second. And this is going to be a topic that I've been interested in for a while. I'm not going to go into the reasons for it, but pay attention to this one, especially if you've got kids or grandkids. I think this is one that will make a lot of sense for you. Terry, welcome to the show. Great to have you on board. Hi, Jeff. It's great to be on your show. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Could you introduce yourself to everyone, give them a sense of what your background is like? Okay. Uh, I, I grew up in, uh, initially in Chicago and moved to Florida, where I spent most of my youth. And my family has a manufacturing background since the 1920s. And after bouncing around with different things I thought I wanted to do, uh, one of which engineering uh, school, I decided to join the family business in machine tool distribution. And thus, once you join the family business, I have a hunch that there's more to that career history. Oh, much more. I started in 1980, and uh, it's been 40 years now. I'm on my 40th year. We sell machine tools, and we also rebuild machine tools. And I've been uh, very fascinated and fortunate to call on some of the most exciting manufacturing uh, installations in the country. Now, we're recording this uh, in June 2020. And we're at a time where 40 million people are out of work. And there's a whole crew of students that are coming into the workforce. And although the jobs report is issued today was better than expected with plus two and a half million, rather than all the down numbers that we've been seeing for months, you're in a field and have worked in a field that isn't exactly seen as being one of those glamour fields. Um, And and that smile just says it all. Um, So I'm wondering, with manufacturing being, and by the way, folks, the subtitle to the book is Building Prosperity Through Manufacturing, Mentoring, and the Awesome Responsibility of Parenting. I can't wait to pull all this together. 
you know, what's the message that you're carrying to people? What's important for people? And why should they sp uh, pay attention to manufacturing careers at this stage? Well, manufacturing is in our country's DNA. Uh, manufacturing has been a big part of our middle class and, and has fueled our middle class for decades uh, since going way back. But manufacturing is important, and what people don't understand is they have a misperception of what it actually is, what the reality is. Uh, it's very technologically savvy. It's very computerized. It's becoming more and more automated. And the best, the best news is the paying careers are very well uh, high-paying careers. Now, when you say it's computerized, uh, I know people are not doing software development uh, when they're working in manufacturing. So that part of the glamour doesn't exist. Uh, but are they the guys in T-shirts and getting dirty all day? Like, I think that's the image that most people have of what it's like to work in manufacturing. Uh, and thus, when they look at their kids, they look, oh, no, 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 not, not for them. Well, they're very, Jeff, they're very exciting careers. And when I talk about uh, computerization, there's programming on, on the machine and on the shop floor. And there's also programming in the CAD office and, and on computer. So it's, it's the best of both worlds. So they're using technology as part of the work. Like when you said, it was the CAD office, the computer-aided computer design? Correct. Just making sure. So they're using the technology, and how are they using that technology? I'm curious. Well, it used to be back in the day when I first started, you know, there weren't as many uh, com computerized machines, which is a terminology called CNC. Sure. Uh, there was a lot of manual machines and a lot of the, the skill was in the actual operator. And so, you know, every machine had a different operator with a different skill level. And now with computerization, you can program the machine and you can let the machine do, you know, the heavy lifting, so to speak, as far as the process. And it's, it's made it a lot cleaner environment. It's made it a lot more professional and it's, it's exciting and challenging positions. And thus, what does the person tend to do day to day uh, as part of their work using these machines? Well, there's so many different uh, positions that uh, and careers that are in manufacturing. Some are inspection related. Some are uh, loading the machines, operating the machines. Some are programming and setting up the machines. Once again, some you're in the CAD office doing the, uh, the print work and the CAM uh, work as far as generating code for the machines. But, you know, there's a lot of different, different uh, careers and a lot of different uh, spots to fill, but there's a, a big void in the skills that we're talking about, uh, not because people make a conscious decision, it's because people just don't know they even exist or that they can be paid well to be in those, in those careers. I'm going to say this in a flip kind of way. You said it's part of America's DNA. I think most people tend to think of it as being in China's DNA and not in America's DNA anymore. Uh, and I suspect uh, there will be a move toward bringing back jobs to the U.S. Although, as I talk to some people, I also hear that there's there's a move toward moving some of those China jobs to other low-cost areas rather than the U.S., but that's a different conversation. Uh, there's always going to be a need for manufacturing jobs in the U.S. Some are not going to get outsourced at all. Yeah, I think, to your point, I think one thing that we've learned through this pandemic is that, you know, there's certain things that you really can't rely on other 
uh, economies to fulfill in within our own country. Uh, you know, we got kind of cut short on some of the protective uh, PPE uh, equipment uh, during this and uh, some of the, the, the drugs that we need for this pandemic. Uh, those things, you know, we should have had better access within our own borders. And it was interesting, and, and folks, if you're watching this two years from now, I know this is ancient history, but you'll get the point. Uh, it would seem as though a lot of nation states have regulations that basically allow them to interrupt the supply chain and say, mine first, mine. Now, I know you bought it, it's your equipment, but it's mine, you can't export it. And that seems to be what had happened with China. Uh, during right. this time. So you mentioned a number of different types of jobs. And if we were looking at like uh, a hierarchy, because I think most people tend to think in terms of hierarchies for the levels of jobs, uh, where there are relatively junior positions, like I'll use technology, for example, there is a developer or an administrator, systems administrator. And then there's a intermediate and a senior, and then the person becomes a manager, a director, uh, a VP. That there's that kind of a hierarchy of progression within the roles. I know they have no clue about in manufacturing. <laughs> How does it work there? You know, when people join a manufacturing firm of some sort, you can think, you know, use your firm as an example or any other organization for that matter. What sort of hierarchy exists with some of those categories that you mentioned? Well, in manufacturing, one of the things that's a, a current uh, model is there's a lot of internships where people and companies will bring in uh, many times young people for an internship, maybe during their education. And they'll, you know, do some of the lower uh, uh, responsibility tasks uh, within the organization. And, for, example, for example. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. Well, okay. you know, one of the things like in a, in a CAD office, you may be uh, working on a CAD system and just doing some basic print uh, modifications or uh, drawing. Uh, out on the shop floor, you know, you may be, you know, preparing bar stock or, uh, possibly, you know, changing inserts uh, on a on a particular job or setup. Uh, you might be, you know, you might even be doing some, you know, logistics or cleaning or sometimes ordering material. Um, you can. That's a pretty easy task to get started. But the more skill level you have in manufacturing, like many other professions, the more valuable you become, and and your pay is is compensation is accordingly, uh, you know, adjusted up as your skill level uh, goes as well. That's cool. So when people break into the field of these rookie jobs, like in every other profession, they're not paid dramatically well. What kind of entry level salaries exist and what sort of salary progression exists within manufacturing? Great question. Um, it's very common for young people, you know, they may come in just over minimum wage when they virtually know nothing. But what you'll find in manufacturing is your progression is way uh, more accelerated as you gain skills than other professions. One of the things I talk about and I researched quite a bit, Jeff, is that in manufacturing, the average wage with benefits is around $82,000. Now, when you say average wage, you gotta remember you have beginners and then you have 40 year you know, tenured people. 
So when you take that all into account, you know, an average wage with benefits of 82,000 is, is very good pay. Yes, it is, especially given the fact that these are people who have not had to spend however many hundred thousand dollars a year on a college education, and they haven't had all that student loan debt hanging over their heads all these years that basically are going, you know, their higher paying salary, so much of it is going off to pay off debt. Yeah, I mean, good question. One of the things I point out in the book is I I do a 12-year model on a four-year, five-year college degree graduate and a 12-year model of a two-year vocational type degree graduate. And I take the cost of the education and, and the thought of paying it back in the salary when you come out. And when it, at the end of 12 years, the college graduate, four or five-year college graduate, because of the cost, they're at about, I, I believe, a, a negative 120,000 cash negative and the other two-year vocational degree individual paid back, paying back the education cost is 90000 cash positive. There's a quarter million dollar difference almost. Wow. Um, where are jobs located? Well, there's manufacturing hubs all throughout the country. So, you know, there's a lot of people drive by industrial parks every day, all day within their communities. They just don't know what's inside the four walls. And thus, those buildings aren't just simply tech hubs or office places. Many of them may involve manufacturing positions as well. They do. They do. And, and the bulk of manufacturing in our country are small companies, small businesses. They may have between five and maybe 50 people. Uh, there is a lot of manufacturing and large organizations, the Boeings of the world uh, and, and other companies that are very large, Caterpillar. But that being said, there's a lot of job shops and there's a lot of smaller companies that make products for the bigger companies. And so there's a lot more opportunities than just the big corporations. And it's interesting from my time in search, you know, because I was a headhunter for many years, like 40 and... I was part of a network of recruiting firms that were kind of subdivided into areas of expertise. And my background was primarily IT recruiting. And there was another group that I spent a little time with, I even spoke to the group on one occasion, that was focused in on manufacturing. And the bulk of the recruiters in this network were IT oriented. But the ones that were making the money were the manufacturing. Very true. And it was interesting to me because I spent some time talking with the folks in that field and they said, there's a lot of redundancy, a lot of redundancy. There's just a lot of people who are in IT recruiting and there are a lot of IT professionals, but no one's going into manufacturing. So they're clearly labor shortages. And thus, folks, if you're not happy in your job, if you're not being treated well, if you think you're underpaid, there's usually someone down the block or at a place in the country where you want to live that might be interested in hiring you is there are labor shortages. I think in the book, what was the age that you said the average manufacturing worker is? Oh, it's well into Jeff. It's well into the fifties. I mean, that's one of the, the biggest misnomers about manufacturing besides what people perceive it to be is that we have people my age that are, you know, near the end of their careers. They've been in it 40 plus years 
and we want to pass on our tribal knowledge to the next generation. And so there's the baby boomer generation is now graduating to towards retirement. And there's, there's, there's a gap, not there's a skills gap, but there's an age gap where there's a whole generation or generation and a half or two that was skipped. And so you have the younger people that are really getting advanced, like almost fast track to management because you know, they're leapfrogging over an entire generation that isn't there. Interesting. And uh, I'm, I'm gonna hit a, a subject here and deal with a stereotype. The stereotype tends to be that manufacturing is a bunch of old white guys. <laughs> Well, there's there's some truth to that, and right. and so and so consequently, you know, there's uh, there's not enough women in our industry. There's a huge opportunity for them. Uh, I, to be honest, there's not enough people of color in our industry, and there's a huge opportunity for them as well. And so I, I challenge the manufacturing sector to be a little bit, you know, proactive and think differently and try, you know, to appeal to a to a different audience than what we've tried in the past. Fabulous. And what kind of training do people get when they move into the field? Um, you know, what's it like during that first, I, how long does the training last? Um, oh, wow. The training, the training is a lifelong uh, lessons. Uh, I'm still learning and, and being trained in many facets. And this yeah, but you're on your way out. You don't count anymore. <laughs> I, I do. I don't count anymore. I don't. You're right. But, but no, as far as training, you know, there's, there's all sorts of online training, which is, I'm really uh, excited to, to say. Uh, SME has what they call Tooling University. What was, the, what, was, what was the name of that again? SM Tooling University is owned by Society of Manufacturing and Engineering. And they've done a really, they acquired Tooling University, and there's a lot of really cool classes on there. The, the other thing that I try to talk about, Jeff, is that there's a young man named John Saunders that has a YouTube channel called NYC CNC, and he learned, he taught himself how to be a manufacturer, and he puts out YouTube uh, videos to help train people just like he learned. Wow, that's fabulous. Um, could you state the name of that YouTube channel again? It's NYC CNC is the, is the YouTube channel, and uh, there's a lot of information you know he taught himself to be a manufacturer and he's a he's interviewed interviewed in the book and then there's also uh titan gilroy and titan titan cnc he has a series of classes online that you can learn uh, about uh manufacturing and uh, a lot of this some of this is is chart you know on a charge basis and some of this is free Fabulous. Now, I know you, you started or helped start Champion Now. Could you tell people about Champion Now, what its mission is, and what it sets out to accomplish, please? Well, I got so involved probably 25 years ago into technical education with high schools and community colleges. And, you know, I had a lot of boards I sat on with, you know, education foundations, both locally and nationally. And so, when after having said that, I just didn't feel that talking to one high school or community college student or a class at a time was adequate. So I was on my way to Washington D.C. on a board that I that I sat on, and uh, and I wanted to change perceptions. I wanted to change manufacturing perceptions. Well, it, it's an acronym. Champion now is change how American manufacturing is perceived in our nation, 
And so it's, it's kind of a cool acronym. Manufacturing doesn't have a lot of real, you know, high polished, um, you know, icons or, or perceptions or images. So the name fits as well. And the now is the call to action. But the main focus and mission is to really change perceptions and let people know that manufacturing is a cool place to be and, and that, you know, they can make a lot of money. The one thing I haven't said that I should say is on the NAM website, the, the National Association of Manufacturers, the Manufacturing Institute says that there's around 600,000 manufacturing skilled physicians that go and filled every year. And then the next 10 years, there's probably two and a half million positions that will go unfilled in our industry in this country. Wow. Wow. Um, and thus there's a huge opportunity that is ignored. Um, where does, where, where do uh, businesses, where do uh, nonprofits find that next generation of people. Like if someone's watching this video and decides, hey, I wanna get into manufacturing, like what do they do? Like what's the next step for them? Well, it depends on, on where they're coming from and what age bracket they're in, but there's a lot of different ways. Um, I write about Project Lead the Way. Uh, I interviewed Vince Bertram, who's the president. Project Lead the Way is project-based learning that's going into the high schools all around the country. So you can go to their website and you can see what high schools are in your area that have Project Lead the Way. Uh, there's a lot of community colleges and there's a lot of associations that have technical, CTE is the actual name, Careers in Technical Education. So you can go to the CTE site and find out you know, what community colleges have manufacturing classes. Uh, and there's, so there's a number of ways you can learn about it. But one of the big things that I have to point out is there's an organization called Manufacturing Day. And so if you're a parent or if you're a student or even somebody that's older and you wanna learn more, every October, early October, manufacturers all over the country open up their doors and invite people in to see what today's manufacturing looks like. And uh, it's been going on for about six, seven years. It initially started with the FMA, which is the Fabricators and Manufacturers Association, but now NAM uh, uh, conducts it and, and uh, uh, administrates it. What's fabricating? Fabricating, there's, there's metal cutting and there's fabricating and then there's additive manufacturing. Uh, metal cutting is actually taking metal away from a piece of bar stock. Fabricating is bending a piece of, of, of sheet metal. Uh, and then additive manufacturing is 3D printing. So in a, in a, in a general scope def definition of things, those are three of the major ways you can, you can actually manufacture something. Fabulous. So let, we've been, in, in, that, in that answer you've been talking about for younger individuals, let's say someone's in their 30s. Uh, they've been a welder, for example, and they realized this isn't for me. Maybe manufacturing is it. What do they do? Well, my advice, first of all, welders do very well. They get paid very yeah. well. So if, if they decide the welding is not for them, it's not for the pay. It's probably because it's not challenging maybe or it's too redundant mm -hmm. for them. But with that skill set, that skill set and that attention to detail and mechanical aptitude can, can be parlayed into other different manufacturing very easily. So, um, 
you know, whether it be going and looking for a, a job board or going to uh, a community college, uh, there's all sorts of ways that uh, someone that's in welding that can, can dovetail back into manufacturing very easily, in my opinion. Now, we've been talking about the career of manufacturing, but the subtitle of your book talks about mentoring and the awesome responsibility of parenting. Now, you give the most words to parenting, so I'm going to go there next. What is that responsibility in parenting that you're trying to get across? Well, I'm, I'm glad. This is really important to me, Jeff, so I'm really glad you, you asked about that as well. Um, I think parenting is, is the most precious uh, responsibility on, on earth. And those of us that are parents, uh, we have a tough job to do and, and an important job to do. But, you know, life goes in a lot of different directions at full speed. And so you have two parents working and they're both trying to fit in their, their job and, uh, you know, uh, parent at the same time. Uh, sometimes you have single parents, whether it be a mom or a dad. And so they have challenges as well. But then you also have the guilt of raising a child and knowing that you're not spending the time you want to spend with them because you have to, you know, you have to earn income to pay for the family. So too many times what I've seen, and I used to coach travel soccer, so I interacted with a lot of parents and a lot of young people for two or three decades. And so what I would see is parents would make decisions that instead of holding their, their child accountable, they would try to be their child's best friend. Jeff, I was raised old school and I parented old school and I believe in that. And you know, child, children need to learn lessons and become better citizens and better adults uh, as a result of those lessons. So rather than parenting out of guilt, you know, do the, the difficult you know, uh, task of making the decisions of how to you know, uh, hold your chi child accountable, both good and bad, so that they learn and they become the best that they can be. It's funny, I've, my son is 19 as we're recording this. And you know, he graduated high school. He said, I'm not going to college now. Uh, and it was interesting to see what he had learned from me just by watching. And one of the things he learned was show up early for work. Work a little late. Put in your best effort. I noticed this just as he would talk about his job and some of the things that went on there. Like if he was supposed to be there at 8.30, he was there at 7.45. You know, breakfast in hand, keying into the building to be able to get in. If he was supposed to leave at 6.30, he was generally leaving at 7. And it's sweet stuff that he picked up from me. I feel guilty about it. I've turned him into a workaholic at 19. Mm -hmm. But it's the right attitude. And I know so much of the culture that we have, even with phrases like, take it easy <laughs> that we habitually say is designed to curtail drive rather than encourage drive to success. Uh, so um, I understand that message about, I don't want to call it old school per se, because the old school also had the involved with it that I know you're not talking about. No. That's the first thing that came to my mind, of course, was the old school 1950s. Oh, yeah, you take out the belt. Uh, and um, no, 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 we're not talking about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And then the part is mentoring. That's the other part of your title. It is. 
Who's doing the mentoring? Who's receiving the mentoring? Well, the, the example that I made with single parents, I was raised by my mom, a single parent in, uh, down in Florida. And I was very blessed. Uh, I was very blessed that I had coaches, I had teachers, I had family friends, you know, that looked out for me and mentored me. And uh, as I grew and got into the working world, I had coworkers and supervisors that mentored me. Uh, I went into a family business, so I was very fortunate that my dad and my two uncles also mentored me. So with the world and, and with the, the different challenges that young people have, uh, and with the challenges parents have that I just alluded to, you know, mentoring is a huge, a huge need uh, to supplement, you know, maybe what parents, you know, can't fill in all the blanks. So I think uh, those of us that, you know, are, you know, in our latter years, uh, I think all of us acknowledge that we're very fortunate to have been mentored by some very special people. I agree. And, and one of the things uh, I've kind of keyed in on for myself is the notion of what an elder is supposed to be like in our culture. And I know culturally, older people are pushed out. <laughs> you know, we don't listen to them. They don't, you know, we don't pay attention to them. They think old school. And um, there's a lot of wisdom, folks, that you're missing out on if you don't ask the questions of people who are, who've been there ahead of you. It doesn't mean you always have to take their advice, but it's useful to listen to it because the places you're getting the advice from may not know any more than you do, <laughs> but they say it in a convincing way. Well, I think one other point, Jeff, I'd like to point out is that in the workforce, there, there's, a, there's a concept called reverse mentoring. And that is, you know, those of us that have been around, around that we have a lot of the knowledge, tribal knowledge, that we want to pass on. And let's, let's just say, for example, in manufacturing. But we don't know the technology always like we should. And here we have this next generation. They've forgotten more than we'll ever know about technology. So there's an opportunity for the, the elder to mentor the young person, but also a great opportunity for the young person to reverse mentor the elder. So it's a win-win it's a for everybody. And I know in a lot, of, uh, a lot of instances with people that I coach, they talk with me about the institutional mentor that they have and how they spend a lot of time mentoring that person. It's really interesting uh, to hear that part of it. Um, but in terms of careers in manufacturing, this is a really sweet book. And really oh, lays, it really lays out a good case. How can people find out more about America's greatest champion, uh, building prosperity through manufacturing, mentoring, and the awesome responsibility of parenting? How can they find out more? Well, the, the most information that's out there is on Champion Now. You know, champion with an N at the end, and then N again, now.org. And I have uh, a whole litany of information about the book, about different articles I've written, different uh, interviews. Uh, it is also available uh, on uh, Amazon. Uh, it's also uh, on Audible, on, uh, on, on Audible book. And it's also an ebook uh, on those different platforms. So, uh, and you know, the ones on Champion Now, um, I can, you know, I have a hardcover. Uh, that's only available through Champion Now. Cool. And folks, I'll have a link to the to championnow.org, to the page on Amazon where it's sold. 
I am told that it is less expensive on championnow.org than on Amazon. I, I tried, I have a link that on podcasts and, and your podcast especially, that they can save 30% uh, on, uh, by going to a certain link, yes. And I'll have that link in the show notes, folks. That's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few more ways to get information and advice from me. First of all, visit my website, which is thebiggamehunter.us. Go to the blog. There's a lot there to help you with your job search, hiring more effectively, managing and leading, and workplace-related issues. In addition, if you're interested in my coaching you, there's a button there that says Schedule. Schedule time for a free discovery call or schedule yourself in for coaching. Obviously, I'm going to charge for that, but I can help you with interview preparation, leadership coaching, salary negotiation advice, making a good decision between different offers, anything related to improving yourself in the workplace, I can coach you about. If you have questions for me, you can schedule 15 minutes with me at thebiggamehunter.us forward slash live or you know, a less expensive way is at thebiggamehunter.us forward slash video answers, where you leave a message for me and I'll respond with a three to five minute video. Connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game hunter. I can assure you your network will expand a lot by connecting with me. And finally, watch me on TV. Download the Job Search TV app for Fire TV, Fire Stick, Apple TV, Roku, like 90 different manufacturers. I'll be back tomorrow with more. And in the meantime, I hope you have a terrific day. Be great!